It's time once again for another chapter of The Rich Heart Show, broadcasting live around the world from the Rich Heart Global and Core Studios in Atlanta. And now, please welcome your host, international business dynamics coach, real estate broker, and wealth finance and people consultant, Rich Hart. Rich, thanks for having me in today. Hey, not a problem. John, John, just a little bit about you, all right? As a CPA licensed broker, active investor, all right, real estate, works with investors and forms syndications to buy and hold, build, manage, lease, and sell properties and buy and, and all that. We're talking about investing. We're going to be talking about 1031. We're going to be talking about being that wealth or being the wealth building platform investor. Welcome, John. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate being here. <laughs> Good deal. John, let's let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. What's happening? What's going on? What's what's investing going on right now? So, you know, the, the markets are high right now. Right. The markets are relatively high. We all suffered through the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Markets were down. By and large, a lot of people were running. There was blood in the streets. There was chaos everywhere. And a lot of people were running away. A handful of investors ran towards danger instead of away from danger. They were buying things at a time when everybody thought they were crazy. Today, boy, some of those folks look smart. (laughs) And we're talking to some of those people today because they're saying, I bought this house for $100 and I'm selling it for $250. Oh, I've got this tax consequence. Hey, I bought these properties and now I have them and the market's better. I'm not sure what to do with them. What's my next step? Some people bought on instinct. It's the classic buy low, sell high. And we knew it was really, really low. It was as low as it's ever been back during the 2010, 11, 12 and and broader timeframe. But today people are harvesting some of their profits. They're looking to expand their portfolio. If I sell, what do I buy today? What's a good opportunity today? Sure. And the answer is it depends. (laughs) It's it's what they teach us. Location, 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 possibly. the, The way... What they teach us when you get out of CPA school, <laughs> young man, when you when your client asks you a question, the, the answer to every question starts with the phrase, well, it depends. <laughs> People hate that. People hate hearing. They want to know the answer. Sure. Where should I buy something? What should I buy? Right. And I'm going to say, talk to the professional real estate agent that you're working with. Find the location that works for you. Find the product type that works for you. Right. Where do you see opportunity? Where do you see growth? So- there's a lot of movement in the market today. It's still a little bit of a seller's market. There's mm. not enough supply to meet the, the needs of all the buyers out that's there. That's right, yeah. And that's part of what's pushed prices up. Sure. But you've you got individuals out there, the players that are out there. You've got the investors, all right? And then you've got the real estate professional, all right? And then you've got those other individuals themselves that are out there, property managers, all right? And they're actually now starting to get into the real estate game as investors and as property managers for a, a kind of a turnkey operation. So what are we seeing today? It's interesting. I've seen property managers who, during the downturn, built fabulous businesses. They just kept acquiring more and more accounts, Mm -hmm. and they grew their business. They knew it wouldn't last forever because one day some of those investors were inadvertent investors. Sure. What goes up has got to come down. Or when the market's better, and I, I don't have to sell my house for a loss, when it's up high, I can sell it. So some of the property managers are losing some of their inventory, Mm. but by the same token, they saw what their clients did. They're paying attention. They've seen some gains and growth in the wealth of their clients. Right. And they're saying, why can't I do that? They have the license. They have the skill set to manage the property, right. maintain it. Sure. And they're getting in the game, which is exciting. Sure. And what about the real estate professional? Boy, they are everywhere. <laughs> I, love, I love teaching a class. And whether we're talking about an investing topic or foreclosures or 1031 exchange. Right. And I'll ask the group, who in here is a real estate investor. Right. And I get some reluctant people raising their halfway, hands. Halfway. There's always the halfway hand. There's the halfway. And I say, so a third of y'all raised your hand. That means there's another third in the room who are investors, 
but you won't raise your hand because you think I might call on you. That's right. I might ask you a question. We hate that, right? No but there are a lot of people who got into real estate because they wanted to make money in this business as a day job, selling sure. real estate for other people. Right. But they also wanted to be in the deal flow. They wanted to know what the deals were out there, the good deals, and they're participating, slowly uh -huh. building their portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's fantastic. They're, they're working their day job, yep. selling real estate, and they're working their long-term wealth building platform which is buying and holding real estate. Hopefully as a real estate investor doing that. Now, as the as the real estate professional today, uh, John, you know as well, the, the, the crowds and people we see all the time, these individuals themselves, they come into real estate for a particular reason, um, like showing homes. Um, I, I love to um, work with the real estate. In fact, I love working people. I'm a people. We hear it all the time, okay? But from an investment standpoint, Okay, investment is different than what they're going to teach you, all right, from getting your real estate license. Okay, and there are certain keys and factors and and certain uh, equations that's going to have to come to play here. You're going to have to know a little math. <laughs> I, you know the the classic real estate agent. Uh, this is fair in some cases and not fair in others. But when you finish pre license and you take the exam, yeah. and you walk out of the exam and you reach in your pocket and you, you take your calculator and drop it in the trash, sure. and say, "I no longer have to calculate a seller net right. or a buyer cost worksheet." The, those are all things that you have to know how to do mechanically. But today, there's software that will do most of that for you. And so, not everybody is a math major. Sure. They don't necessarily come to real estate. But people in real estate who want to be investors have to know a few fundamental, at least rules of thumb. Right. You don't have to take the calculation to the penny, yeah. but you have to understand what makes a good deal and what makes not a good deal, depending mm. on what kind of investor you are. Sure. Investors, John, they get into real estate, real estate investment for a particular reason to make money. Okay, come on. Let's just, let's cut right to the chase. All right. Um, in, in my programs and courses themselves, yours too, is we ask agents, why did you get into the business? And they said, well, you know, I can make a lot of money. Yeah. I, well, you're going to have to do a lot of work in order to get that a lot of money. The investor, all right, not going through the routes and, and uh, the education and the classes and the training, okay? What's today's investors? What, what are they looking? What do they see? Are they looking for the fact itself that they can make uh, perhaps a little dollar, a couple of dollars, more dollars themselves? What's the, what's the mindset of today's investor? So let's, let's sort of take this world of being a real estate investor. Okay. And they're coming at it for the same real reason that a real estate professional comes into the business. Mm -hmm. They want to make money. Yeah. There are two kinds of money. And, and I like to use simple analogies. It, it helps folks hold on to the concepts. There's pay me now and pay me later. Right, exactly. All right? So pay me now is the investor who says, I'm going to do what those guys did on TV. I'm going to buy a property. I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to sell it. Sure. And I'm going to get a paycheck in the next six months. Yeah, because if it's on TV, it's on Google, it's it everywhere. must be true. And <laughs> anybody can do it, right? Sometimes I refer to that as the, the two guys or two gals and a pickup truck. <laughs> Relatively low barriers to entry with some money and, and potentially some hard money loans, which right. we can talk about one day. Sure. But, but they have a way to get in the game. And they use their sweat and their labor and some of their contracting skills, and they'll buy a property, fix it up, and sell it, and right. they'll get some of that pay-me-now money. Right, exactly. And, and they call themselves real estate investors because they're doing something in real estate, and they're making money. Mm -hmm. The pay-me-later investors yeah. are the people who are the tortoises, the slow and steady win the race right. investors. So the pay-me-later people are going to buy, let's use the classic example, a rental house. Right. I'm going to buy a rental house, or what's even better is, the house you bought, the very first house you bought, you moved out and turned it into a rental property. Right. 
that's an outstanding investment for many people. Because mm-hmm. you remember when you bought it, you did it with 5% down. That's right. And, and so you have very little money in it. Mm-hmm. And that little rental property grows and grows. Sure. And it will feed you from now until you die, potentially. Appreciate over, appreciation over an expert amount of time, however you want to hold, how long you want to hold the property. Exactly gotcha. right. So the pay me later group is collecting a batch of, let's say, rental houses. Mm-hmm. It could be commercial. It could be a variety of things. But the easy object that we talk about in the real estate arena is a rental house. Right. It could be a rental condo. It could be a townhome. It, but, but fundamentally, just conceptually for us to visualize it, I'm going to buy a rental house. And maybe my goal is, because setting goals are important, sure. my goal is to buy one rental house a year. If you start to have success with that, and if you're a real estate professional who's supporting you, helping you find some of those deals, mm-hmm. those deals have to be analyzed. That's a little math. But if you're finding deals that make sense and you grow that, at some point you're going to say, well, how many real estate, how many houses can I buy in a year? Mm, there exactly. is no upper limit. You sure. can buy two this year. You can buy mm-hmm. four. You can buy 10. And so the day comes when you've got 10 or 20 houses thrown off cash. And I, I talk about goals. Right. One of the goals of a well-heeled real estate investor is to make more money in the rental portfolio. That's called passive, passive income, income right. than they make in their day job. Right. Because when that day comes, they don't have to get out of bed to make more money. Right. In fact, they'll make more money staying in bed than they did getting up and going to work. Uh, exactly. That yeah. is a luxury that most people will never get to yeah. unless they're diligent and they apply some rules, some concepts and formulas, which you're going to talk about. Right, exactly. We're going to go over that. So when we talk about the world of investing, it would have been great if everybody had run out there and bought things in 2012. Mm-hmm. It would have ended the recession sooner, Lots sooner. Yeah. but not everybody did it. So you have to be a little contrarian thinking. You have to have some education right. and you have to decide that the very first split is, are you going to be a fix and flip, a, a pay me now investor right, exactly. or a pay me later? And guess what? You can be both. You can do both. So I suggest you do some fix and flips if that suits you. And every once in a while, you put one in your other pocket, a buy and hold. Mm-hmm. And that's the fundamental breakdown when we talk about real estate investing. You know, it's a funny thing we said, that fundamental breakdowns, you were talking about goals and objectives and things of this nature. NAR, National Association of Realtors, tells us that is the number one reason why individuals don't do as well as they could in this business. Not, not only just the business of real estate from a professional, all right, but in business and investing in real estate. And this goes across the board, all right, in pretty much all business sectors. As NAR tells us the number one reason why individuals don't fail fail, okay, is because they lack a plan. What you're telling me from the goal objective and the standpoint out there is that the planning is is going to be extremely important. But knowing what to plan for, how long are you going to hold that property? What is that buy and hold? What's the long-term, short-term gains, all right? For those individuals themselves, especially investors, if they're going to come in and buy one property a year, okay, don't expect to get rich over that one, all right? And there's certain guidelines and rules, regulations, policies, procedures that are coming into play on how long you have to hold that property. That's where we come in, okay? And I think that's where you're, you were heading to, the education. Before we head to education, folks, I'm with John Magnum today, all right? And what we're talking about investing, investing in real estate, being that wealth builder and building that platform for what? Success as an investor, as a real estate investor, all right? Without a doubt. If you'd like to reach John, we're going to give you a phone number out here is 404-352-1031. You can also reach him at J, is it JW? J, J Mangum. Oh, J Mangum at Starker.com. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Starker too as, as we get get on in our programs, all right? So, John, as we head back in, let's talk about that uh, that education-wise, all right? Because real estate investment, you just don't wake up one day and all of a sudden you say, yeah, I'm going to be a real estate investor. Most of my clients, all right, in the past, that's how they woke up. 
But, you know, waking up today in the business of, of real estate, what's different? What is the education? What are the things themselves? Of course, you and I, we hold near and dear to heart. What are the things themselves these people really need to know? Rich, there's a long list, and and you can go through hours and days and weeks of classes. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> well, you you can, and and you need some of that. Right. Um, let's draw some parallels to the world of getting a real estate license. When you go to pre-license, they teach you about the, a contract and the essential elements of a right. contract. Exactly. They teach you about how to work with the laws. They teach you how to how to calculate the the worksheets if you're going to a closing and deal with a settlement statement. Net to seller. Net to seller. All Love those it. things. In the world of real estate investing, you need to know about how to work with a contract. You need to know how to work with an analysis instead of a net to seller. What am I going to get when I sell my residence right. versus how do I calculate whether this house that I'm going to buy, it will be a good deal. Right. You'll have to learn how to do some budgeting and estimating if you're going to do repairs, things like that. But there's a piece of education that people miss. You said it just a minute ago. I want, I want to pull back. Before you get to the starting line, right. when you set your goals, the reason people don't succeed is because they're not doing a good job of setting goals right. and creating plans. Sure. Well, in pre-license, when they teach us about a contract, parties to the contract, the date on the contract, the terms, the price, those things. When we talk about you've got to set goals, we tell people how to set goals. But it's like telling people you need to go get a suit of clothes or a suit of armor if you're going to go into battle. <laughs> well, what does the suit look like? They've never written down goals. So when I say... I want a rental house to generate $200 per month positive cash flow. That's one of the goals. And that goes back into one of the analyses. Sure. The same reason we give someone a contract and we review the elements of the contract, I want to give people some reasonable goals that they could aspire to because they, they're coming at this cold. Without a doubt. And so to expect them to articulate their goals and know what good goals are and what achievable goals are mm -hmm. is not realistic. So, yeah, sure. so before we even get there, part of the education is – Here's a reasonable set of goals. If you have 10 houses throwing off $200 a month positive cash flow, after one house a year, that takes 10 years. You want to do it faster? Go two houses a year. That takes five years. That's right, exactly. But when you've got $2,000 a month coming in that's sheltered by depreciation deductions right, and other right. things. So, so the goal setting is part of the education. Mm -hmm. Then when you've got the goal and you can see Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. End in mind, right. Right? When you see what that looks like and you know what your goal is going to be, then you start to say, oh, I'm applying this course to learn how to get to that goal. That's right. Exactly. And you're building a framework. So the goals and the plans are the foundation. I like to run the parallel building a house. Mm -hmm. You build a foundation. Then you build the walls, put the roof on. Then you put the siding on the house. Then you come in and you put the sheetrock in, the insulation, the sheetrock. And, and so you're building and eventually you have a finished product. Same thing with education. There are a number of elements that you need in education. Skills, knowledge, tools, techniques. All right. What's happening in the current marketplace? What are the things themselves that I should, should not do? All right. It's very funny itself when, when I start to work with investors and then I work with uh, real estate professionals, how much of a disconnect is out there between those, those two? Because the investor is not quite sure they're getting into because they see that there's an outlet, all right, to perhaps make some quick cash. Okay. Mm -hmm. Quick cash is probably not the best opportunity, best way to go into this from as an investor standpoint. All right. This is kind of a long-term deal. Okay. But it's also from the real estate professionals say, yes, I work with investors. Now, if you really get down deep from a real estate professional, it says, yeah, I work with investors. All right, so, so tell me how many deals you've closed. Tell me what you've closed. Because if not, the investor not knowing and the agent not knowing, you could be running around circles. So how can we help the real estate professionals 
provide a higher level and a more accurate level of service to their investor clients. So instead of clashing like oil and water, they don't mix. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're involved in cooking and you stir something that's oil and water together, you create an emulsion and, right. and it works like a peaceful coexistence. You can get there, but you have to walk a mile in the other guy's shoes sure to know what the other guy and gal needs and wants. Right. And that means the investors, I hate to say it, the investors need some education right. about what the real estate professional can do for them. That's right. And vice versa. And what the real estate professional can do for that investor. Bingo. All right. And then you got to bring a property manager into somewhere along the lines because it's either you have the mentality, aptitude, altitude, all right, to manage the property. Or if not, okay, you're going to have to get somebody. That's a cost. That's an associated cost themselves or a fixed cost that you're going to have to have someone what? Manage that particular property for you, all right? I'm seeing investments themselves. They're, they're getting big and broad and wide across what? The great divide where individuals are now starting to invest in abroad, third world countries and different areas themselves that we would normally say Costa Rica and Belize and other areas of this nature. Mm. All right, we're looking at the international investments, even though the international investments, the reports came out for residential Okay, uh, from the National Association Realists, what the international investor was investing here in the United States, we had reached and peaked out about $181 billion per year or in sales, all right? But that number is slowly slidden down a little bit, okay? And the reported figures themselves came in in 2019 was $77.9 billion, all right? That's international investment, cash-based deals. A residential property is only coming into the United States. Mm. All right, that's a, that's a lot. And so individuals themselves, now you have the investors here in the United States, and then you have a, from investors from abroad. All right, rate of exchange, monies, dollars, and everything else. The opportunities themselves are huge if the real estate professional all right, engages themselves in the skills, knowledge, tools, and techniques to make them smarter and working smarter instead of harder or say just saying, hey, I just work with investors. Does it make sense? Absolutely makes sense. 100% through and through. You know, one thing, John, I think is a very important. I think is the tools. We talked about the tools. And the tools are extremely important for those investors, those property managers, those real estate professionals. All right? We've got an array of different types of franchises. You've got an array of different types of people okay, that are out there. We know in the Atlanta market, we have individuals themselves that do very well. And then we have individuals themselves that don't, all right? NARA has actually reported that 56 to 58% of those individuals, okay, who are licensed professionals out of the 1.4 plus million in the country do less than one transaction a year. You're kidding That's me. That's a crazy number. You can't make a living that way. No, but then I have other individuals themselves that are working with investors that are closing in the essence of 100 to 150 transactions a month. What gives? What gives, all right? What is it? What is it above and beyond uh, these individuals themselves we need? And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more toward the end of the program. So, guys, t- stay tuned. But, John, what I'd like to dump into and jump into right now is um, the area of opportunity of keeping that wealth in your pocket, okay? And the question does come up itself is that there is a vehicle out there all right, that we use. You're affiliated with the company that drives this vehicle very, very well. And when it comes to 1031 Exchange, and how 1031 Exchange works and develops the resources, all right, to help individuals keep some of that hard-earned money, all right, in your pockets, all right, by deferring taxation and capital gains, all right? So, John, tell us a little bit about Starker. Tell us a little bit what you guys do. Tell us a little bit about, let's, let's start with the 10, 1031 Exchange, and we can back into Starker from there. Sure. Rich, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And, and really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pin it down to our goals from the beginning. Okay. 
not only is your goal to make money in real estate and more specifically cash flow and, and things like that, but one of your goals is to hold that money. Right. To not pay Uncle Sam and the local who? department. Who? Who is that? <laughs> Uncle who? To not pay our friends at the Internal Revenue Service. Ah, gotcha. Check, check, one, two, check. <laughs> and, and the Georgia Department of Revenue if you're in Georgia. Right. And so one of the biggest tools, not biggest, one of the most um, substantial tools in an investor's toolkit. So we could spend weeks on this, on the, all of these topics. Sure, without a doubt. But assuming we're going to get involved in investing in real estate, we're going to buy property, we're going to build wealth then at some point, we're going to change what we've got. We're going to get rid of a property, we're going to sell it, and there's a taxable event, just to throw a little jargon out there. Well, let's, talk, let's just let's back up a second. Let's talk about that taxable event. What does that taxable event mean? Because so, this is very important for investors because they, they're not absolutely. realizing, and especially for the real estate professional getting into this, because you know as well, as a real estate professional coming in, they're thrown between policy, procedures, code of ethics, fair housing. I mean, there's so much coming out, and then technologies and everything. I don't even know how today's agent already actually just muscles right through all the minutia. And then they've got to learn tax law also. Yeah. So the tax man doesn't ring the bell until you've gone through a closing. So when I use a taxable event, that's a, that's a technical term that comes sure. out of IRS uh, literature. Right. But when you sell a property, that's considered a taxable event. Okay. In other words, if you buy a property and it grows in value, you don't have to pay tax every year. Right. You pay local property taxes, right. but you don't pay income tax. Right. You don't pay until you sell. So the obvious answer is don't sell. So if I've got a rental house, for example, that I've owned for 10 years, mm -hmm. bought it for 100, let's say I bought it for really low and it's selling for 300. Right. If I go to closing and take that cash, taxable event, now I won't physically pay the tax until, let's say, next April when I file my tax return. Right. But I'll have to pay the tax on that profit of 200000 mm. There's a section of the tax code, and it's a section where I've made my living for literally decades called Section 1031. 1031. It says you can defer the payment of those taxes if you invest in more real estate. Now, I'm compressing the long verbiage that's in the regulations. Tools, techniques for the invest. Tools, techniques for the what? Real estate professional. For the real estate okay, professional, good. their clients, and the property managers that support them. To have that knowledge about the 1031. So, so when somebody says, what's a 1031? Well, it's a process where you're going to get rid of a property, mm -hmm. but you're going to suspend the payment of taxes right. by acquiring a replacement property done in a time period. And we can get into the nuts and bolts of that. Sure. But the idea is there's a way to get rid of a property, get back a replacement, and stay in the game and defer the payment of those taxes. Not bad. And that's called Section 1031 or 1031 Exchange. Exchange, right. Or it's also called, referred to as a Starker, Starker Exchange. exchange. <laughs> Starker, the Starker family, was one of the largest private landowners up in the Northwest United States. And they sold a bunch of timberland to a paper company. Long story short, they, they, they did a 1031 exchange. The IRS examined it, meaning an audit. And the IRS overturned their exchange. They all went to court and the Starker beat the IRS. So everybody started calling their exchange transactions Starker, Starker exchanges. Starkers. Yes. <laughs> People call me John Starker. Not Starker. Not, no, Starker. not Starker. Not Starker. That's John correct. Starker. That's correct. <laughs> so, so the idea is we want to get in the game, build wealth, then we want to hold on to that wealth. Right. And we use the IRS's money to reinvest in other people's properties, which become ours. So now I'm seeing the pros and cons. <laughs> which ones were the cons? There was. It was not. <laughs> Unless you're running away from the tax man, all right? Well, that's, that's con, right. right. That's right. The idea is this is a really long-term strategy because if you do this throughout your life, you buy a rental house when you're 25, you sell it when you're 30, and you buy a replacement, you keep going, going, going. You keep rolling, rolling, rolling as you build equity and build wealth. 
and you never have to pay the tax man. Right. Now, to really do that, you simply have to die. <laughs> but all if right. You, Let but me think you, about that. But if you die, we're all going to die. <laughs> but if you die holding this basket of appreciated properties, right. your heirs get to inherit it. And the next day, they could sell all the properties and pay no capital gains tax. There he goes, right. And that's oh my gosh, super I, bonus. I can't believe you let me come in here and get all excited talking about tax law. John, you got to sit down in your seat again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, government state regulations come in and says, why Starker? And we start talking about Starker and stuff. What does Starker do? Uh, how, does they, how do they help individuals through the process? I got him through the process. It sounds like that's exactly what you guys do. So that is that is what Starker Services does. And, okay. and we actually communicated with the Starker family's attorney and said, we're going to name our company Starker. And they said, that's fine. It's, you know, it's not copyrighted. But when you do a 1031 exchange, you engage an independent third party referred to as a qualified intermediary right, right, right. to connect the sale of one property with the purchase of a replacement. Because it's two separate transactions and the documents have to tie it together. Right. So Starker serves as an intermediary. Um, I got involved with my first 1031 exchange back in 1988. Mm -hmm. So I've been at the game for literally several decades. Right. And I work with a national company because we see these transactions all over the company. Right. Excuse me, all over the, the country. country. <laughs> yes. And Starker supports real estate investors just as the real estate professional helps the investors find, buy, and sell property. Right. The manager helps operate put tenants in, do all. So just another person on the team helping that investor build wealth. Good. And we've been at this, uh, we're actually based in California. I run the Atlanta, the Southeast office for Starker Services and have been affiliated with Starker for three decades. There you go. Superb. So, Hence why the phone number is 404-352-1031. <laughs> and of Which course, is, the 800 number is 800-332-1031. 1031. 1031. There you, you bet. Go. <laughs> you bet. There's, there's a method to my madness. Yes, well, sir. John, sometimes within a 1031 exchange that I teach all the time, so there's, there's two ways and three ways and four way transactions. And so those, those transactions could get very difficult or when it comes down to certain rules and regulations, policies, procedures about identifying certain property and then closing those sales. Can we talk about that just a little bit? Sure. The IRS came out after the Starker cases in the 1970s. The IRS came out with a set of what we refer to as the final regulations, the final treasury regulations that govern 1031 exchange. And one of those regulations says from the time you sell the first property, you've got 45 days to identify one or multiple replacements right. according to a bunch of rules. And so our role as the intermediary is administrative in that we're coordinating two transactions, but it's also consultative. It's explaining what the fundamental rules are to a potential client. Right. So, Rich, if you're the real estate professional and your client's selling the rental house and you have them call us and we say, you've got to watch out for the 45-day rule. So we'll explain that. Right. And that's part of the job that we do, which is kind of the value add. Sure, to planning the process. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the planning. Exactly right. And then you've got to buy the replacement within 180 days. Right. Our industry did a study a number of years ago, but they found that the average 1031 exchange started and completed within 62 days. Oh. And so the reason it, it happens so quickly is because most people, when they find the replacement, you don't just put it on a list. You don't just identify it. You actually put it under contract. Under contract. Because it's a deal you want. It's a good deal. You're going to buy it as a replacement. And so people are in and out in three to six or eight weeks. Sure. In some parts of the country, it's a little easier, a little quicker. But you actually, some of your exchanges themselves may deal with different parts and properties in different parts of the country. Oh, Yes. And having somebody who can navigate the waters, we've done exchanges in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. 
There are quirks. In some states, attorneys close sales. In other states, title companies companies close sales. And knowing how to work within both of those groups makes it easy, makes it, you know, we're fluent in in both, if you will. Good. But there may be people who say, I'm selling in Georgia, but right now around Atlanta, the market seems to be high. And I'm going to go to another state. Right. Can Can you do it? It's federal tax law. You can do it in all 50 states. You can crisscross the country. There you go. And so with the options out there for the investor increasing what we were said in the beginning, the wealth, the platform of wealth, all right, now gives them the opportunity to invest in different parts of the area, different parts of the country, uh, to where they're investing in real estate that is like-kind, like-minded, all right, to what they're currently investing in. All right, whether investing in quadplex, duplex, maybe it's rental properties, maybe single family homes, whatever the case may be, at least now what they're doing is they're in investing in properties themselves that are like kind in their portfolios. As they make those investments and as they look down that road and they're building the wealth, part of that planning on the in the very beginning, and and I say jokingly, everybody should have 10 rental properties. Well, a quadplex is four. Yeah. And interestingly, you can buy a quad with single-family single financing family, with right. a one-to-four-family rider. We all know that. Everything over four is considered commercial. And it's commercial. Yeah, and it's, you, commercial. it's a different game. Exactly, exactly. right. You need right. a different so lender partner. Well, John, there's so much to talk about when it comes down to investment. There's so much to talk about when it comes down to a real estate professional and acquiring the knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques themselves to orchestrate, to talk about, all right, uh, the 1031 exchange and the investment position, the planning inside investment. Uh, for those in, uh, individuals, self-help planning is extremely important. Already. And if you're looking to acquire some of those tools and resources themselves, uh, I want you guys to hang on tight because, John, would it be possible, okay, that uh, would you be able to come back and join us in the Rich Hawk Global Studios and what we do in our education and uh, fastest across the country? We'd be willing to um, open up an investor series for real estate, real estate professionals and investors to teach these people the right way. Would you be interested in doing that? Rich, I think that'd be a great idea. You know, I've been teaching for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and when you break down the elements, we could do 30 minutes on a number of topics. Good. I'd love to do that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, John, we're just out of time today. All right. I understand. I understand. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. Time flies when you're- Hey, today we were talking with John Magnum, all right? And uh, to reach John and the stalker already is 404-352-1031. The 800 number number again, John? 800-332-1031. And if you want to reach John directly, it's J-M-A-N-G-H-A-M at stalker, S-T-A-R-K-E-R.com. Thank you, Rich. Not a problem. Hey, this is Rich Hart. Thank you very much for joining us on another show. Looking forward to talking to you real soon. Hey, thank you very much and have a blessed day. Bye-bye now. Thank you again for joining us and our guests on The Rich Hart Show. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of The Rich Hart Show. Brought to you in part by Rich Hart Global Incorporated and the Core Institute. For more information and to connect with the show host and sponsors, visit richhart.com or email us at info at richheart.com.